You're listening to Built on Beavs, your weekly OSU Beavers podcast for fans and by fans. You can listen, subscribe, and share the show on your favorite podcast player and follow the show on Instagram and Twitter at Built on Beavs. And like the show on Facebook, just search Built on Beavs. You can also contact the BOB crew by sending an email to builtonbeavs at gmail.com. This week's episode is brought to you by Impact Real Estate. They are a husband and wife team that will go out of their way to make sure that your needs are at the center of what they do. They aren't transactional, but instead they are relational. With Impact Real Estate, don't just experience the difference, but choose them and together you can be the difference. To check them out, go to impactrealestate.com. That is the letter M as in Manasco, Pact, P-A-C-T, realestate.com. Give them a call, 541-231-2157, and they will help you out with your home buying needs. Now on to the next episode of Built on Beefs with your B.O.B. crew, Zeke, Nate, and Eric. Welcome to another edition of Built on Beavs. I'm Eric, joined by Zeke and Nate. We are talking Beavers football today. We also yeah, have a Beavers guest football. on. We're we gonna do. Have, we have Matt Bixby on. Awesome. A, beat, a former beat reporter. You guys, you guys know the beat, beat reporter? right? No, beat reporter? No, a beat reporter. So Matt Bixby's going to be on, and we're going to do the rundown again at the end. Today. Rundown? You know it. Yeah, a lot of good stuff. Um, I had a really good weekend. I ended up not going to the Beavers soccer game. I know I invited you guys and didn't show up. I had a softball tournament I was in. We won. So, Ooh. oh, nice! How like, about that? like you won it all? Well, no, we won twenty-five to three to go to the championship. So next weekend is Hold on, where what was that score at? again? Twenty-five to three and okay. softball and Sounds softball like a football score. Yes, it does sound like football score. Next Sunday's championship. So. And how many runs did you put on? A good amount. Did, did I say how many runs did you put on? Is that the right? That's not the proper vernacular at RBI. all. Well, runs batted in. Yeah, yeah, how many runs batted in? I hey. mean, I don't have my complete stat line, but at least four. Okay. okay. Any homers? Wow. No. I no. hit the fence. That's good enough. I mean, with a softball, that's good Any enough. dingers? That's, that's a homer. I Another know. word for homer, so no. Any, any ground rule anyway, doubles? Anyway. Any chopper two hoppers? <laughs> <laughs> Enough about me. I love those. We're, we're built on beefs. We're a beaver podcast. We are, but we didn't do anything athletic this past weekend. I did. I know you did. You showed us up, but you also you also went to the family fun day. Yes, for football and scrimmage this past Saturday. Um, the beavers were putting that out, and I did get a free poster from the event, even though I did not attend. Yes, nice. and I got that a free poster at the event that I did attend. So. I am the one on the crew that really takes this seriously. However, I'm not going to lie. I was in Sisters this past weekend celebrating my first anniversary. Oh, congratulations. Which was really fun. Thank you. And just happened Zeke's upon, clapping. I think actually one of my friends, Miguel, shout out, texted me asking if I was going to the scrimmage. And that was the first I heard of it. So thanks to him, I was reminded that that was going on. So we got back into town Corvallis and went to the fun day the scrimmage and we got a good seat got a poster got to see some action nice poor reporting on our part for not saying that's happening on our last episode i yeah that's yeah, true that and i briefly just, thought about that. putting it on our social media i just didn't so that's didn't my happen. bad too 
I was really excited about getting the free poster. Um, unfortunately, mine was initially stolen, but then I got another person's poster. So, so, so wait a minute. Did you steal the other post- person's poster? Well, no. I, I, I mean, no. They, it was given to me. <laughs> so what happened was one roommate got the poster for me, All right. left it for me, but then the other roommate thought it was his poster, so he took it. <laughs> oh, and then it it was it was a whole mess. It's we figured it out. It's fine, and it's now it's hanging up in the kitchen. So nice. I'm pretty happy about that. So um, I really like it too. If you look at the poster, it kind of has like a wood greenish background. Do you know? Mm. What, do you, did you you saw it? Obviously, I definitely saw it. I wouldn't say I looked too into it, so I can't envision that right now in my head. But it had like a texture to it. Yeah. I don't know if it, that's what you're talking yeah, about. I yeah. I actually yeah. thought it was made out of wood. Yeah. Wow. It's pretty but cool. It, it's, well, well it's not. Shout, shout out to the graphic designer who created High quality. the uh, scheduling. The one thing story. though, they, they also gave like a little um, postcard looking thing. I don't know if that's the right way to describe it. Like a little card, business card type thing of their mm-hmm. schedule that I thought was a magnet, but it's not. So I, I would have liked okay. to see a magnet, but so I actually I'm not got a magnet. With the schedule on it. This year? Yes. Oh, where'd you find that? Hasty Freeze, downtown Albany. No way. Yeah, they're sending out free ones. That means it has to be in Corvallis if they're having it over in Albany. Don't you think? I'm sure sure I could be a restore or something. How many did you grab? I grabbed one. Okay, is it on your fridge right now? It is. Okay. I'm not going to stand up because that would be unprofessional. Okay, but check this out okay i'm checking it, it also has the organ duck schedule on it oh see uh, and that's, that's, that's where that's, that's where it goes down and, and that's the issue i, I want to cut the other half off so it's uh, all on the front obviously side they should just put the ducks on like the magnetic side i agree totally agree. why why do they do that uh, you know I, I, why would they combine both teams on one schedule I, I'm, I'm trying to understand I, I, I the think concept because it was albany that. and not corvallis uh, I, I definitely see people repping more ducks over here in Albany than when I'm in. Yeah, but a ducks fan is probably not going to want the Beaver schedule on it either. That's true. Well, that's what I'm saying. Unless so you no have one's a, happy. Unless you have a split a family, split. right? Well, that is oh, true. That they is, make those jerseys out there, and it's not like you have to be like, "Hmm, I wonder when the Beavers and the Ducks are playing." Oh, yes, at the end of the season. Okay, mm-hmm. just like always, nothing yeah. new. Yeah. So, so for those you know intermingled families, I guess it really works for them. Yeah, I've seen. I have witnessed those families. Yeah, what have you? I've I've seen a couple of them too. Mm-hmm. A house say. divided. You ever see those? Mm-hmm. No. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the the stickers on the car. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah I've seen those too. Yeah. I've seen well, them. let's get back to the script. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, what, they, that's what they care about. Yeah, you. Well, well, I'm the only one who went. So, <laughs> and I will put a little note with that. I was with my in-laws and my niece so i was slightly distracted so i wasn't getting as much um intel or scouting as i could have so so you were focused on the family yes however me my my father-in-law get into it i had the roster he'd shoot me numbers i would get i'd pull up the the height the weight the year where they're from Mm -hmm. so i did i did get some of that so we should have him on the show yeah i mean (laughs) yeah so, so. You, you you had a family fun. I evening. did. It was a fun evening. Yeah, I don't Call know about day. day, but well, it just doesn't flow off the tongue. Very but it well, was a right? fun event. Like it's cool just being there, being in Reeser, you know, mm-hmm. getting to see this the first sign of this new team. Um, they had the new uniforms out there, which we'll talk about. Um, 
busting that out. We got to sit close, so we're right on the field. It was pretty cool being that close because you get to have that close of a look at players. And, man, it's like when you're right on the field like that, it's like these guys are pretty big. Yeah. And did you meet any of the players? I did not. So they did like a, I think, autograph session at the end and get to meet and talk with the players. We had been gone, so we were kind of tired, didn't want to stay up that late, so we didn't stay that long. But I, I always feel weird, too, because it's like a student athlete. I don't know. I, to me, I, know. I don't really want their autograph. Or, I don't know. I, just, I think it's more for kids. Yeah, to, yeah. I think that's what they're going after. Right? Yeah. I remember as a kid, like I, I got like, a autograph. I think I've only gotten like a one autograph in my entire life. I don't think I've. Oddly enough, someone has asked me for my autograph before. See, that's weird. Like thinking you're someone else. Yeah, they thought I was some oh. football player from TCU. And you, and you don't just e- went with it. I just went with it. <laughs> How, wow, that's is that's, that forgery? I, or did I you sign my own you? name? I signed my own name. Oh wow. <laughs> Wait, were you wearing wow, any apparel? Not your no, name at all. No. It, it was so weird. Uh, this was guy, the first name similar? I don't know. I tried to look up the guy, and I'm like, there's no guy named that. It, but right. this guy came up to me. He swore he's a fan of mine. Wow. <laughs> he said, I love watching you play football at TCU. <laughs> all right. And you, you're like, yeah, I'm a horned frog. Oh. It, <laughs> Oddly enough, my brother actually does uh, live in Fort Worth, Texas, home of TCU. Yeah. yeah. And uh, but he didn't play for TCU either. Um, he played for the University of Memphis, and it was just. Oh, he did. Yeah. Oh, cool. It was just very interesting to see that. But I, I, I didn't. I was in an odd spot. I didn't feel like I should be like, hey, no, that's not me. He's just he's too excited. Yeah. Yeah, it's it would almost crush him to yeah. let him down, right? And be yeah. like, yeah. I, I can see why you went through with it. I don't know what I would have done. <laughs> but back to the scrimmage. Um, I mean, to an extent, it's like how much were they showing you? Because I know with that, I think there's even talk that they weren't really opening up their playbook, you know, so they weren't going to throw a lot of trick plays or anything like that Smart. to kind of re- reveal what they're getting into. So and I would say, I mean, they're hitting, they're making contact, they're, tackling each other but you're still assuming they're probably 75 percent maybe i'll say 45 50 maybe even less yeah Yeah. so it was fun i mean it's a fun event to go see their see them play and see um, what this team looks like what these players are gonna kind of mold into but I, i don't know how much you can get from that um overall i would say the defense did good and Probably one, if that's what you would consider. They didn't put like any scores up or anything like you, that. But what is the scoring like? Do you? How do you I, n- I can it? never figure that out. Like in the spring scrimmage, they're doing. Well, that's what I'm wondering. Is there a difference between this and what they do in the spring? I don't even. I'm not sure. Also, I got another question. So, is it the first team offense and defense against a second stream offense? They kind defense? of rotate. Was it the first team offense out. against a second stream defense? Advice. It wasn't like a set. A lot of what they did was kind of they'd bring the punt team out or kickoff team out, do a kickoff, return it, and then bring it back to like the one or even like the five yard line. Oh, okay. And then run their offense against the defense, and then mm-hmm. punt it if they have to. Then bring it back over to the five again. And so it, it wasn't too, it wasn't really like game 
like experience. I think they're just trying to rep in, bring in the first, second, third offenses and defenses like that. Um, it's so, a show, more or less. That's what yeah. it is, you know? And you brought it up earlier. So they were repping the new uniforms. So you got to see those mm-hmm. up close and personal. I've only been able to see pictures and a trailer for the uniforms. The trailer mm-hmm. was very interesting. Very epic. Yes. It's right for a movie. If if our listeners don't know, basically it was a lot of hype around. It was a good trailer. Um, but basically it was some guys in a football uniform in the middle of the woods. And I wonder if they were the actual players too. Oh, they were. I bet they are. I mean you why would hire actors, right? Yeah, you that's true. That. So I, I personally just obviously Nate, you got the most up close, up close and personal yeah. visual. I didn't like them at first, and now they've grown on me. But that happens to me with so many things, and now I'm I'm digging them. Yeah, and I I love when we have all one color. I feel like we've typically maybe we've gone away from that a little bit, but I like having an all black and all white and an all orange with just hints of those other colors on the uniforms. Yeah, they're nice. the The white is more of like a cream type. It's not like a just solid, like an eggshell. Yeah, sure, eggshell. <laughs> I'd have to take it, it to Home Depot and get like a color match. <laughs> it, it was nice because the cream I, doesn't come through on the photo. It just looks white. Right. Yeah. I I like them. I'm not I'm not in love with them mm-hmm. personally. Um, I, I I like what they're going for. I like the. The look kind of bringing the old retro with the new type. That's exactly what it looks like. Yeah. It looks like feel. retro mixed with modern. I, yeah, I think we're, then we're all feeling that. Because that's kind of what I was going to say. I was about to say it looks modern, but the um, the pants, the stripes on the pants and then on the shoulders, that's a very traditional old school feel yep. to right. me. So I think they did a good job, like I said, of going towards what they envision so they did a good job executing that so, so so check this out it could be a old school feel like the previous teams of yesteryears the good teams like jonathan mm-hmm. smith's team mixed with the new school of these guys today so they're going to bring you that old town that old time play with a new set of guys it's very deep and actually would not be surprised if that was part of the vision yeah, yeah. So. I'm excited to see. I mean, with the scrimmage, they just had the matte black plain helmets, which were cool, but it'll be cool to see the logos and all that stuff on I, there. I like their shiny orange helmets. Yeah, I do too. And I like the matte gray helmets. I miss but now, the, now it's all black helmets, right? Because from the promos, or at least for the photo I don't know. that I saw, that things are going all black. I about, I about guarantee they're going to have more than one helmet. They but, got to. But you know what's interesting? If, with the NFL you see the same helmet each week. You don't really see a variety of the helmets. But you have to understand that NFL is more rooted in tradition. And like the Bamas and I stuff mean, look like at that, the, the tradition. Look at the Chicago Bears and Green Bay Packers. Those guys haven't changed uniforms in a millennia. Yeah. Well, you see it in college too. Like Nate said, Bamas had the same thing forever right or michigan and some people like that stick to yeah. that traditional don't change lsu it. bama florida i think it depends oh, what your program has done too i i think right. if there's been a lot of like uh championships a lot of that tradition that's gained mm-hmm. over time it, it's kind of like you don't, you don't change re- it yeah you don't need to and there's a lot of like superstition probably mix in mm-hmm. there with oh we moved past that maybe we're gonna lose that 
championship driven team that we've had in the past and it's gonna shake it up yeah so if we won a bunch of titles with retro benny we'd probably keep it yeah yeah we could be wearing my retro benny shirt right now that's true there is something to say though like i mean i think it it goes a little bit like when you're a struggling programmer wanting to see the culture kind of change little things like even changing uniforms could actually go a long way to shifting that culture and kind of feel like, okay, let's just keep things going. Let's keep things moving to make it feel like, oh, well, we're going somewhere. Even if maybe the play is still in progress, Mm -hmm. there are signs like that with that new board we talked about last episode and just improvements to the field and the stadium and the uniforms that still give you excitement building into where this program is going to go. Let's take a time out. Uh, We'll be back with Matt Bixby, former Beaver Beat reporter. We're going to talk some football and Pac-12 football, too. And we'll be back then. So you're listening to Built on Beavs. Looking for handcrafted wood and concrete products created with excellence in mind? Look no further than Chris at Arete Woodworking. You can check his website out at aretewoodworking.com. That is A-R-E-T-E woodworking.com. Go there to find out more about his products, about him, about his business. Get a quote. Check him out. Welcome back to Built on Beeves. I'm very excited for our next guest, our first guest of season three of Built on Beeves. Um, Like Nate said, we promised we're going to do it. So we did. Um, He's not only a fan and a graduate of OSU, but spent a half dozen years on the Beaver Beat for local radio. He's a big on Beaver baseball, basketball, and of course, football which is what we're going to talk about with him today. Let's welcome Matt Bixby to Built on Bees. Matt, it's great to have you. Thank you for taking the time. Thank you so much for having me. I, I do apologize for not wearing my beaver colors. <laughs> That's okay. Z- yeah. Zeke, well, Zeke, Zeke has Zeke's a color. on that train. Just, just the, the Bears logo on there. But that's it, okay. It's close enough. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Matt, so tell us a little bit about yourself. I know I kind of gave a quick bio there, but you actually were on the beat. So you covered the beaver football team. Yeah, I had a lot of fun covering the Beavers back during a very exciting time for Oregon State. I got to cover the final year of Mike Riley's first stint and uh, all of the Dennis Erickson era. And then in addition to that, the first year of Mike Riley's return. So did that while working local radio. So I got to see the Phoenix rising from the dead. into that uh, miraculous Fiesta Bowl year and then uh, into what became the modern era for Oregon State football. It was a lot of fun. One of my first memories uh, I can remember was, uh, well, like having T.J. Hushmanzada t- uh, actually teach me how to say his name properly. Oh, wow. So that was kind of fun. I can imagine that's a hard part of that job, getting those names correct. Well, I got it half right. <laughs> so for those who don't know, like what, what goes into being a beat reporter for like the Beavers? The biggest thing that you got to do is just to uh, you know ask good questions and then shut up and let the athletes talk yeah. and try not to fall into the the trap this uh, broadcaster trap of saying so uh, talk about uh, how the game went which is <laughs> which is broadcaster speak for forgive me for not having the intelligence to think of an actual question That's is, awesome. is is that harder to do when they lose? by Absolutely. Like when it's like a 45 to three game and yet how'd the game go for you what exactly went wrong today coach and <laughs> oh, it, you know that 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 i've i had experience with the blazers as well in an experience like that where the you haven't asked the tough question to the coaches afterwards 
it wasn't any fun. So then at that point, I was pretty new in the industry. So it was usually if I got a question or two in there, that was fine. And I let everybody else carry the load. Yeah. It's like hit record. You guys talk. Okay. <laughs> so obviously you've seen a lot of beaver football over the years. So what would you say right now is the state of the program entering Jonathan Smith's second season? You know, it's starting over. It really is. This is year two, or I, you know, I think sometimes you call it year one with last year being year zero. And I think that's a very appropriate way to look at it. Mm. It was such a, uh, well, this is a family program, but cluster is, uh, I think, appropriate mm -hmm. just to describe where Oregon State was. You know, Mike Riley, you know, yes, he left, but truth be told, we all know he was pretty well forced out. Fans not happy. He could read, mm. the, read the tea leaves. So he leaves. You think you got a, uh, someone in Gary Anderson who's got real solid potential to turn the program around. Year two, see some promise. Year three, boom and the whole thing blows up so i i'm actually kind of i've got an unpopular opinion about that and i'll say it very quickly i would say thank you to gary anderson for having the courage to just get out run yeah. away it allowed the program i think to blow up hit rock bottom and that's where we are here right now building again jonathan smith has the potential to be what i think is one of the the just the dreams for Oregon State football. And that is a guy who is not only an up-and-comer, but also just loves Corvallis. He's not the type of guy who would get hired away by USC or Washington or some program like that. He is someone who could be here decades from now. Hmm. So I think if you're, if you're a Beaver fan, you know, you're always kind of toyed with, you know, are we content with, you know, having, finding a coach who's lightning in a bottle for a couple of years and then we lose him? Or do we kind of go along with the Mike Riley, and not to pile on Mike because I like him, but it's you know, sort of between mm -hmm. good, uh, mediocre, and, and every once in a while being really good, but spending a lot of those years around 500. So kind of bringing it back to where we are right now, I think we're in for a very interesting year. So what would you say are realistic expectations for the program because we me and you Matt have talked about this off air people want national championships they want to be at the top they almost want to be like Oregon right but what what is realistic here in Corvallis for this university for this program I, I think what you really have to do is you got to temper your expectations and that's so tough we're in an instant gratification mm -hmm. obsession and I think if you are, if you're going to be, we got to win every year, you've got that expectation in Corvallis, Oregon, prepare to be disappointed most years because you're never going to build that continuity. What you want to do is you got to build a program. I think that what Oregon State can do is they could actually model, you model the success that the, the baseball program had. But remember, Pat Casey took over that program in 1994. The Beavers didn't go to the College World Series until 2005. That took 11 years. Wow. That, that took time. And I think baseball, you could argue, could be easier to get that sustained improvement because you're talking about 35 guys in a roster and 11.7 scholarships as opposed to football, 85 scholarships. So you just have to, you have to think long term and, uh, and be patient. Understand that, you know, if you can get to where you're, if you're bowl eligible three out of four years and maybe once or twice a decade, you're in the Rose Bowl hunt or, or got a chance to be in the top 10 or better, you know, that's success. You do that long term and you stick with an identity 
and you can actually turn something to where now after a couple decades in, now you're a program. Now mm. people want to come to you. You've got something. But if you've got an expectation that that's going to happen next year, you, it's, it's, uh, you're pretty much bound for disappointment. That kind of leads me into a question I have. What, what kind of leash do you think Jonathan Smith has here with, okay, we go a few years maybe under 500? Like when, when do they start wondering about him? You got to see improvement. I mean, they got, that's a great question. You got to see improvement. And I think, you know, that, that's why I say it's going to be very, very interesting. Last year, the Beavers defensively were historically bad. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I, I was, uh, I was a student at OSU during the Pettibone years. I saw some bad defenses, <laughs> you know, I, you know, they've had some of that in, in their past, but last year was just, it was awful. So they really got that. They got nowhere to go, but up yeah. defensively. It's true. And then the nice thing is, is that from a, you know, a, a defensive standpoint, you're now in year two of the scheme. So the guys are going to know the system better. They're not going to have to think as much. They're just going to be able to react. You know, we always saw in, in football, you know, you say you improve most between game one and game two. Well, I think you'd say the, the same as far as year one and year two in the program. And they've had continuity for the first time in a long time. Mm-hmm. They've got some transfers with some talent. The guys who are here have gotten better. And you could see from the reports of the scrimmage that the teams had, they're playing with a lot more intensity, a lot more fire, and guys are just, they're faster. They're making plays. And if the defense can just be, I'll say, marginally better than it was last year, then that should translate to at least one or two more wins, provided, of course, that the offense continues to improve as well. I think the biggest key for the Beavers is going to be, this is, you know, football cliche, it'll be the lines. Last year, the Beavers, I thought, were pretty, uh, pretty impressive as far as what they were able to do from a run-blocking standpoint, mm-hmm. but pass-blocking was, was awful. They really couldn't protect the quarterback. So they got to be multidimensional, and if the defensive line can actually get some pressure, then that will, by its very nature, create some turnovers. They'll have more success there. And, you know, I think you were talking about the, the leash that Jonathan Smith has. As long as they're improving, it's going to be a nice long leash. And I think the improvement that you see this year could be they, they could potentially win two games during the coming season and yet be a much better football team, be much more competitive. That's possible. I also think with some good breaks, I could see as many as five wins for, for the coming year. Mm. Uh, if they, things get really crazy and the, pack t- and the, the Pac-12 is weird, I, you know, there's a puncher's chance at being bowl eligible, but I definitely would not hold my breath on that. My, you know, we'll get to my, my predictions later on, but I think you just, you really want to see improvement this year. Mm-hmm. Well, that leads into the Pac-12. You, re, you brought it up, Matt. So right now, um, I don't know if you guys saw this, but the 2009 preseason AP Top 25 has five Pac-12 teams. So you have Oregon at 11, Washington at 13, Utah at 14, Washington State 23, Stanford 25. So that's the second most. Um, 2019. What did I say? 2009. But that's all right. Decade that's okay. off, well, we're good. Well, this is an old recording. Okay. <laughs> yeah, here you go. The 2019 preseason AP top 25. So, do you agree with those? Yeah, I, I think they're, they're fair rankings. I think it kind of shows what uh, I think a lot of the national media thinks of the, the Pac-12. It's like, yeah, they play some good football, but they're not, they're not seriously in the national championship conversation. We're, we're not at that level. 
And I think, uh, you know, until uh, schools from the Pac-12 actually win some big out-of-conference out games and bowl games, you know, you reap what you sow. So I, I think those are pretty solid. Of that group, the, the team that I think I've, uh, this pains me to say, it really does. But I think in the north, you're looking at Oregon. Mm -hmm. And in the south, I like Utah. I really do. I really mm -hmm. like their defense. What, what attracts you to Oregon right now with where they're at? You had to go there, didn't you? I did. Well, <laughs> no, no, we, ha we no, have to no, know them. Yeah. So no, I'd say n nothing <laughs> attracts me to yeah. Oregon. Okay, well, that's fair. But I think from a from a talent standpoint, they you know they seem to have the uh, a real solid foundation in terms of their program identity. What Mario Cristobal is doing there, sort of building Alabama. He wants to build Alabama in the Northwest, and mm. I think that uh, you know while you had. You know, the years of Chip Kelly wanting the small guys who could fly around. Well, he, you know, Cristobal has believed you need some big uglies up front, big guys who are athletic, run the ball consistently. If you can do that, it's going to open up a lot of things. And they've been, you know, I, every time I turn on ESPN and I watch the crawl, it seems like they're landing another big recruit. So I think they've got, they've got depth and, uh, and, and some pretty serious talent and good coaching as well. They're also starting to enjoy a little continuity. Do you think... What do you think it takes, and maybe Oregon's the close example, but, you know, the SEC is the dominant conference and all those other, like, what gets Pac-12 to get up to that level? Money. Yeah. Yeah, I, and I think that's one of the things that uh, is the definite advantage for the Oregon Ducks is the the financial resources that they have over the course of the last two decades. They have built an, an identity, a brand, I mean, the, the, the O, they're, they're, I saw on, on social media the other day, they were uh, running articles about how the, the, the O and the, the revolutionary new logo and the, all the funky uniforms, that was 20 years ago. Wow. It was 20 years that that's been going on. So they've, you know, they've got the resources. And that's something kind of bringing it back to Oregon State. You don't have, you don't have the financial resources to be able to compete with a, a school like Oregon. So you can't fight on that way. The way you're going to have sustained success is if you can build that identity. You know, the, the, you, you got a certain type of guy that you're after. You know that you're going to turn over rocks to find guys that can develop because if somebody is a, a, a five-star blue chip from wherever, he's not coming to Corvallis. Mm -hmm. At least not for a while. Not until you build that program. Do we have a team in the Pac-12 this year that would represent in the college football playoff, do you think? No, I don't think this year. I think that the uh, you're still probably a year or two off from that. I would say Oregon. I expect this to be a little bit of a down year from Stanford. Uh, Washington's got to figure out who's going to be throwing the football. Uh, they'll be kind of coming up with a new identity, but I think those are the teams that would be most likely. USC is... Um, USC is weird. They should be in the conversation every year, and yet somehow they always seem, I don't know, maybe it's the proximity to Hollywood because there's just, uh, there's, there's too much drama. Uh, it will, this will also be interesting to see how Chip Kelly fares in year two with uh, UCLA. So what would you change to the current college football playoff format? Ooh. Now this we have <laughs> talked about as well off air. I know you have a vision for that. I've, I've got a great plan. I've got a great plan. You'll love it. So Let's if, hear it. If, you can sell if, our yeah, listeners. If, if, if I could wave a magic wand over college football, 
it would be this. First of all, no more expansion. You're going to stay at 128 teams because 128 is a magic number because it's divisible all the way down to two. But what you got to understand is we got to quit playing this game of we've got a our, our traditions and our bowl games and all this sort of thing that we love, and then we want a true national champion. We got to pick one. Which one do we want? And so if I could, again, wave the magic wand, I would break everything down. And I don't have, the, I don't have my, my spreadsheet here in front of me, but, but uh, it does I think exist. it came down to, it does. <laughs> I believe it's 16 eight-team divisions, if you will, uh, staggered geographically, regionally, so that essentially you've got, you've got balance and you've got an opportunity for Look, you win your division or you know, conference, whatever you want to call it. You win your region. You, you win and you're in. So it doesn't matter if you're Ball State, if you're Troy, if you're Oregon State, Oregon, wherever you're playing, you've got a shot. All you got to do is just make sure that you win your games and you're going to be into that playoff. Model a little bit more like the, uh, the FCS system is, except with FCS, it is still you know, a ranking based, I get rid of the rankings. I hate the rankings. Mm -hmm. I wish that they could do away with those and not even consider doing any rankings until probably at least the first week of October. Because what uh, sports writers and people who, who have that, those votes, they do is they just basically justify their, their preseason rankings. And preseason mm -hmm. rankings are based on what you did last year. And I don't know, just, it really doesn't work for me. There's a lot of bias that's inherent in those rankings. So what it sounds like to me is that you think it could eventually move to a model kind of like the March Madness with basketball? I would love something along those lines, except that even with basketball, teams get snubbed. And I think that's, you know, I, I would love to get rid of the snubs. The, the networks actually love it when that happens because it gives them something to talk about. Mm -hmm. You know, who's, who made it, who, you know, what's the biggest surprise? Who's the biggest snub? I would take that element out and it's just quite simply win your division. You got the best record in your, you know, whatever that, that, that breakdown is. You're now in, you can have an opponent next week. You play, you win, you're in. So would that lower the game schedule and the yeah, regular you, you season? Would, but not as much as people think. I think you'd probably drop it down the regular season to about 10 games or so. Mm-hmm. I mean, I tell you, I could have brought the whole spreadsheet. I just didn't know where we were going to go here. <laughs> I, I was thinking um, closer to uh, that playoff time, I think we're going to have to bring you back on, and we're really going to dissect it. You're, you can give the whole spiel. I yeah, I got, I got the breakdowns. I even took the map, all the teams, and I kind of I said, okay, who's going to, you know, we're going to kind of, you got to group everybody geographically, try to hold rivalries together when possible. But, yeah, you know, you, again, you can't have it all. And you know, it goes back to what we talked about earlier too, with expectations, because before, if let's say the Beavers got into the Rose Bowl, like that was the, that was the best you could do. Like that was, you know, you'd play a big, uh, big 10 team and that was like the height of it. But now everyone wants to get in that final four college playoff and the Rose Bowl doesn't even really matter anymore. Well, yeah, unfortunately it's come down to that, but I'll tell you something. If you really do think you look at. 128, 128 teams. How hard is it to be the best 
out of all 128. That's really difficult. I mean, uh, it makes winning the Super Bowl, you know, easy by mm-hmm. comparison. We all know that's, that's next to impossible for certain teams. And that's one out of 32. So this means there are four times as many teams out there and you're going to accomplish this in the 12-game regular season schedule? Hmm. Uh, it's, it's, it's a little hard. So I do think you, you, you need to temper those, the expectations. And either, you know, maybe you're, you're content with saying, hey, the Rose Bowl, if we get to the granddaddy of them all, that's what we're, you know, that's our end game. You know, go with the tradition and the bowl games or have a real national championship. So the Beavers football schedule I believe I saw one of the toughest in the country coming up this year. So I know you've had a chance to review it. What kind of stands out in the schedule? What would you maybe even pick as a measuring stick game for this team? Oh, uh, let's, uh, let's keep it out of conference. You know, the Beavers' first three games are, are out of conference. They're at home. Uh, the opener, what, about 10 days from now yeah. against, uh, against uh, Oklahoma State. I think that first game is going to be very interesting to see. You're going to, you're going to have a little bit of a bellwether about how well uh, the Beavers can, uh, can move the football. Okie State struggles a little bit to put pressure on the opposing team. That will be, uh, that, that's a nice benefit here for Oregon State. It's a home game. Have a chance to air the ball out a little bit. Hopefully get Jamar Jefferson uh, and Artavius Pierce out running the ball. You know, some, you know, some good uh, completions. I think that if you see the Beavers struggle offensively in that first game, that obviously does not bode well. Uh, I think there's a chance to see a real fun shootout there in the first game. Regrettably, unfortunately, the Friday of Labor Day weekend, it is a made-for-TV event. I think Oregon State's going to struggle to get a uh, st- struggle to get 35,000 fans there. Mm. Uh, so it's not like you can have a really compelling home field advantage during that opener, but I, I am very interested to see. And then uh, this will be kind of a strange one. Uh, game three, Cal Poly. <laughs> Cal Poly is a pretty bad FCS team. This has got to be a 60-point win. Okay, 60 might be pushing it, but if the Beavers aren't uh, winning by 50, I think that uh, that's going to be an indicator that some things are going wrong. And that might not be anything other than injuries because the Beavers do have a small margin for error with, uh, with their depth. Uh, they, they got a lot more depth this year, but still it's not... Uh, it's not great, and so if they start struggling in that area, injuries on the line, etc., then um, <laughs> they eke out a seven-point win over Cal Poly. That bodes for a long season. Me, me and Nate have talked about this while we've followed the team. We're, we're waiting for that FCS smackdown the Beavers can bring. We're waiting for that blowout. It hasn't happened yet in my time with the team, so I'm waiting for it. Well, just, uh, you know, if we had more time, I, I, I wrote a little story. It's called the, the Tragedy of St. Dennis, which has to do with uh, the, the 2000 Beavers when they went to the, to the Fiesta Bowl. What nobody remembers is that the Beavers beat Eastern Washington University to start that season by two. Wow. 21-19. They couldn't throw the ball to save a lick. Ken Simonton had 200-plus yards. That's how they won that game. But they were within a Nats eyelash of losing that. And that's the 2,000 Beavers. Wow. So one last message for all the fans. Tell us, uh, tell us how to keep patient with watching this football team this year. 
Again, it'll come back to looking for improvement. Are they better? Are they competitive? I, I went to uh, two games. I dragged my family to two games last year, and I regretted it both times, mm. typically in the first quarter. Last time that you and I went, Eric, uh, that was, what was that not was, a good that time. Was a, that was a, against uh, last Arizona time Spark, State. Yeah, Sparky was here, and I want to say they had about 35 points in the first quarter. They it was got, cold and rainy. Yeah, they got to be competitive. And, and I think that if, uh, if you're seeing that, if they are making other teams worry, at least, you know, forcing some three and outs, getting some turnovers, then I think that uh, as an Oregon State fan, you should be able to just kind of relax, trust the process, and say, hey, we're getting there. But it is going to take time. Remember baseball. It took Pat Casey 11 years to get to Omaha. Matt Bixby, thanks for joining us. Um, it was great. We really enjoyed it. And we, we're going to have you back on if you're okay with it. We'd All love right. to have you back. I would love to. I enjoyed myself. Awesome. We'll be back with the rundown after a quick break. You're listening to Built on Beefs. The mastermind behind Built on Beefs logo, Michael Nolan Design, a Willamette Valley-based freelance graphic designer, finding creative solutions for small businesses and nonprofits. If you're interested in working with him or just want to see what he's been up to, follow him at Michael Nolan Design on Instagram. That's at Michael Nolan Design on Instagram. Welcome back to Built on Beeves. We are going to do the rundown. 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 That was pre-recorded. No, not really. Pre-recorded? <laughs> no. So the rundown. Let's take a look at what else is going on in Beaver Athletics. Zeke, get us started. All right. We're going to move into soccer. As we talked about last week, we talked about that the uh, ladies of the female soccer team were going to go against the University of British Columbia, which Eric thought was his own country. I, yeah. It was a province. Not very knowledgeable. <laughs> However, no fear. We smashed them. 5-0. to zero, British Columbia was no match for us. We had five goals in the second half, propelled – them to an exhibition win over British Columbia on Lorenz Field on Sunday afternoon. If you did not catch it, which we didn't, unfortunately, um, stay tuned. Keep watching the women's soccer team. They're doing a good job. Makes you wonder what they were doing in the first half. A no-no going into the half, huh? Then pounded out five in the second. Their first goal landed in the 57th minute of play. And then the floodgates open. Boom, 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 boom. That's right. And then they tried to even the score in the 67 minute. That was UBC, short for University of British Columbia, but they had nothing. Oh, hey, that's a great start to the campaign for the new coach. It is. For the culture there. It's an exhibition win, but we'll take it. Better than losing an exhibition. Oh, absolutely. No, and they blew them out, too. Yeah. yeah. Well, in soccer, Scoreless. that's a blowout for well, sure. Well, it is. And you know what? It's, it's more than about soccer. It's about America. Go America. Yeah. Well, women's soccer, for sure. We need, we need to get the men's team there here in America on the same level. So, All right, let's move on. So right now we have the U.S. Amateur going on, which is a, golf, a prestigious golf tournament that's held in North Carolina. One of our own Beavers, Spencer Tibbetts, is in this tournament, and so he shot an even par 70 on Monday and then followed a... a um, one over par on Wednesday. And so that leads him into match play. And so this tournament starts with 
312 of the world's best amateur golfers oh, wow. from 27 different countries. Um, the top 64 players after 36 holes of stroke play advanced to this match play. So he's doing really well. That's a lot of, a lot of um, players in this. A prestigious thing. He's, he talks about it because golf is really a mentally demanding sport. He's Very talked about how he's demanded. never played a course that is so demanding off the tee into the greens and on and around the greens. And you have to hit the every shot so solid to have any chance of setting yourself up for the next one. It's mentally exhausting. And I mean, if you've played golf, you can completely understand that. <laughs> it's a mentally strong. You can get frustrated, but man, he's doing a great job. He's a number 17th seed and will face number 48 seed, Edouard Rosad. 17 out of 312? Play. Wow. Amazing. That's incredible. That is yeah. incredible. So we're going to cheer him on. That's awesome for this program. And so he, we'll continue to see him grow. He's still a young guy. He'll come back and be playing here for the Beefs team. So What year is he again? I believe he's a sophomore. That's great. A lot of potential so there. Still early on. To grow. Yes. So basically that course is not like me and Nate are playing Tristing this Saturday. So not quite like that. <laughs> not quite well, like that. And I mean like Tiger Woods has won this event, Phil Mickelson. There's a lot of a lot of big names that have won this before in the past. So that'd be an awesome achievement. Women's volleyball. Orange and black scrimmage is set for this Friday at six PM over at Guild Coliseum. This is a free event. So there's really no reason not to be there, except I have a wedding. So does Nate. So, but it's a free event and three pairs of season tickets will be raffled off. Ooh, nice. So okay. great opportunity to see Mark Bernard's team before the upcoming campaign officially begins, which I believe they're starting on the 30th. So this is an opportunity to go out and see the volleyball team play, get some f tickets, hopefully. And um, it doesn't say anything about a free poster, but if I know athletics, they like to give away free oh, posters. Yeah. So awesome. Nice. Moving on to basketball, Wayne Tinkle had announced the addition of a player for the team mm. named Roman Silva. He joined the basketball team for the 2019 2020 season. Silva sits at seven feet, one inch. 265-pound center from Rancho Cucamonga, California. Whoa. Yes. He joins Cucamonga. The, Cucamonga. That is great. <laughs> he enjoy, he uh, joins a class that includes Julian Franklin, who sits at 6'7", 200 pounds, and Gianna Hunt, who sits at 6'3", 180, um, guard from Torrance, California, and uh, many others. He's a big physical presence in the paint, and that Tinkle said, and I think he's a great rim protector, and it's going to be good to see him. He comes to us from San Bernardino Valley College last season, and he was named Pacific Coast Athletic Conference North Division Cole Player of the Year. Love he, the idea of this Beavers team becoming more physical. They got some That's height coming in and some weight, some athleticism. This is going to be a good program to watch. I'm really excited mm -hmm. about this team. Me too. Um, a side note before going into my next story, Spencer Tibbetts is going into his junior year, so he was a sophomore ah, going into junior year. Okay. i got to clarify that. That and I think that's good. You did that. Thank yeah, you. we we want to be accurate here. Yeah, we try. Um, yeah. So the women's basketball team uh, is set to embark for Italy. So here we go. This Italy. kind of off-season trip for them. 
Um, Scott Rook says it's kind of like a mini camp, little season. Um, they are going to be going on a 10 day trip to Italy and that will include Naples, Rome, Florence, Venice, Como. Is that how you say it? I don't know, but that's gotta <laughs> don't be. Don't worry. Fun. There's no Italians that listen to our show. I'm sure. Hopefully so, not. That has well, hopefully that's they true. do. Not, maybe not straight up from Italy. <laughs> That'd be great. That'd yeah, be awesome. Be. It's going to be a fun trip, though, for those girls. Get back on the court. Mm-hmm. Enjoy a little vacation. That'd be fun, playing in Italy. Yeah, what do I have to do to join the coaching staff? Yeah, I know. I mean, you might be a little late on that train because they left today. So, oh, man. I mean, can head to the airport. But Zeke's dropping off his resume tomorrow. Yes, I am. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to catch that flight. That's yes. right. What Zeke, you're a foodie. What are you what are you gonna be eating if you go to Italy? Ooh, what well, do you, what do you recommend? A for, of course you have to eat the margarita pizza, which is a classic in Italy. And then you wanna go to southern Sicily to um eat some pasta, I guess. <laughs> they have a lot of gelato. My parents were just in Italy. Oh, gelato. gelato on every corner. Yeah. And, and then they got wine. The cured meats are really good as well. And the yeah, cheeses. a lot of salamis and yeah. breads. And I think espresso. Yes. Yeah, get for them, sure. get those dopios, mm-hmm. Man, which I definitely don't need any good. more of tonight. That's for sure. <laughs> I know. Cheer and dance announced their new head coach, James Underwood. He is an OSU graduate and most recently mentored the cheer team in Thurston high school in Springfield, where he spent 12 years and one cheerleading coach of the year in 2012. Wow. So, that's really interesting. I have a lot of respect for the cheer and dance team. I know working on athletics before, even if the team is losing by like a lot and you know yeah. it's over, they're not done. Mm-hmm. You know, they're in it the whole time. So that's really, I, I think it's a really hard mental thing to do to just push through and they do it. Yeah. You got to put that smile on no matter if it's rain or snow or the team's losing or we're winning. <laughs> yeah, nothing like rain and snow at Gill Coliseum <laughs> coming through the roof there. Yeah, hey. Some more renovations coming. Yeah. <laughs> home field, home court advantage when we start dumping the snow in there. Oh, my God. Hey, what? Well, they show up to the football game, right? <laughs> well, yeah, no, they do. They do. <laughs> yeah, visiting team coming here. Yeah, they got a hole in the ceiling. <laughs> mid-December here at the Gill, and we got uh, some flurries on the ground. That would actually be interesting to see that, to see basketball played outside during the winter here in Oregon. Yeah. That would give us a home field advantage, Dan. Yeah, no, it, it would, it for sure. Yeah. So, um, all right, well, let's wrap this up. Uh, remember, listen, subscribe, and share the show, and follow us on our social media outlets. You can also send a line by emailing builtonbees at gmail.com. For Zeke and Nate, I'm Eric. Thanks for listening. We are Built on Beefs.